You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back with us is this week we discuss Heaven's, Heaven's Gate, Gate, the yep. cult of cults, <laughs> which really it is, right? Most people know about this one. I guess you have to be of a certain age, but like this was in our lifetime and mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable, right? Well, they proclaim themselves the cult of cults, right? Yeah. It wasn't a fun moniker someone gave them, <laughs> but I'm, I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite cults. And I brought a cocktail. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. 100%. So the director of this is Clay Tweel, which um, he's made an appearance on this podcast before as he is the director of Finders Keepers. I know. I saw that. I was so excited to see that. Like, we should get in touch with him and have him on. Like, listen, we'll just do all of your documentaries. I think so, too. That would be really fun. I think and such different... I don't know, feels to these, right? Because this one is very serious, right? Because people died mm-hmm. right. in this. Right. And Finders Keepers was a lot, not again, we're, you know, kind of talking lower stakes. Mm-hmm. But I like the way, I mean, Finders Keepers, you just can't beat that. It really has <laughs> got to one be of one of my favorite documentaries of all time. <laughs> too, mine too. Anyway, but Cult of Cults, this one's on HBO for different episodes, each about an hour long, a little bit shorter than that, possibly, but so worth the watch amazing Mm -hmm. came out in 2020 yep okay so it's told relatively chronologically so that's good Mm -hmm. and we start with episode one the awakening now it opens with the news coverage of Mm -hmm. the suicide so spoiler if anyone was unaware (laughs) (laughs) It does end with a mass suicide, which is Mm -hmm. horrible, but it did happen in 1997. So if you hadn't heard about it yet, I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you, but (laughs) here we are. Right. 25 years later. Not a big shocker. This one for most people again, because Heaven's Gate was fairly well known. What I really liked about them is they, they weren't isolated. They really were like out there spreading that crazy all over the place. Listen, they put it right on the flyer. Oh yeah. And they really just put it out there it's crazy like the flyer said hey ufos aliens were all about that business they held like these talks where the two if you will would talk to people and explain their message which is Mm -hmm. we are actually aliens in a skin suit and eventually we'll get beamed up to heaven which is actually a ufo yeah yeah The idea is eventually we're going to work out some of this stuff so you can go to the next level. We're going to shed this skin suit. And um, yeah, we're going to, I don't know, get up in that spaceship and live that sweet, sweet life, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So this story has a couple of people that are prominent throughout. They have Mm -hmm. a couple of ex-members, Sawyer, Mm -hmm. Frank. They have a couple of sociologists, a couple of cult experts. So It's really well done from people who were inside to people who study it, people who help people get out of cults Mm -hmm. and reacclimate to the world. It was just so well done. Yeah, there were a lot of great things. And I also wanted to call out um, the music in this. Like, 
from that time period, I mean, they did a really good job of like kind of paying, you know, this is what was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just those parts, the levity, that was nice to hear a little bit of that kind of crazy, you know, a little balance perhaps. So. At one point, the graphics, I actually commented, the graphics would make Roger Waters proud because they were <laughs> the wall level graphics. It's yes. amazing. Yeah. Well done, Clay. Yeah, there was a lot of footage from, you know, TV footage or the home movie. It was huge during this time, at least. And so there's a ton of like the two talking and all the different. Yeah, it's um, so you don't have to imagine. And it's not just people telling you how it was you get to see for yourself, which is really lovely. But even starting. So this whole this all gets going 1975 in Portland. That's where the UFO flyer comes in. And this is sort of where the largest draw for this crowd started. Mm -hmm. We meet Frank and we meet Sawyer and they kind of talk about tea and dough or bow and peep, depending on when you came into this to do. And then they, they kind of made a dynamic speaking duo, if you will. Anytime I see Marshall Applewhite, who is dough on camera, his eyes are like saucers. They are so big and he is very intense. He is. Well, he was raised by a minister, right? So he mm-hmm. has that presence of drawing people in. And he also did like music and drama and that. Mm-hmm. So he really has that way of getting into people's minds just with his cadence and his speech. He was the front man, as it were. Even though T seemed to be doing most of the thought process, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Doe was the one who pushed the message out mostly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he had some experience in theater. And so a lot of this was like the projection. And I don't know, I think it would have been easy sitting in those chairs. Because, of course, again, here we are with the fortune of having perspective, right? Like, we are not Mm going to get sucked into this because we already know what happened. But Mm -hmm. I can understand how people who are looking for something to believe in might have gone for this. They discuss that a little bit. Like, in the Mm -hmm. 70s, this wasn't really as far-fetched as it would be today. Right. Right. Yes. Because it was all the new age and the woo and you have all these hippies and that and beatniks trying to find something new to believe in away mm-hmm. from the traditional religions. Yes. And this is just another one. Plus, they said it's the first generation of like UFO belief. Right. This whole new sci fi space mm-hmm. and UFO stuff that was all new. And so, of course, you just kind of bring that into religion and make it one happy union. Right. And I think what also helped their message was there were a lot of Christian offshoots of this, right? So they did talk about God and Jesus and and all that kind of stuff, some Mm -hmm. discussion on the revelations. And so while different in the, you know, the base message that's getting out is non-traditional, there are a lot of comforting things if you, you know, have been raised in a Christian household. So I I thought that that was kind of an interesting thing. So Mm -hmm. it might not have weirded people out to be talking about aliens and Jesus because if you really look at the story it's just like it's wacky so yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about how T and Doe met we hear a little bit from a former student of Doe Doe was a I think a drama or a music professor at some point in time mm-hmm. and this gentleman was a former student and said that when Doe's wife at this time he wasn't Doe he was Herf Applewhite Right. Marshall Herf Applewhite, which is, yeah. they refer to him as Marshall and as Herf throughout this thing. So, yeah. But when his wife divorced him, he kind of went into a tailspin. Yes. He had 
what they describe as a psychotic episode, and he was admitted into a hospital, which mm-hmm. is where he met T, who was actually Bonnie Lou Nettle. And that's where they met. She was an RN there. She was already kind of into New Age, and mm-hmm. we hear a lot from her daughter, Terry, Terry. who... Mm-hmm bless her heart, had to live through all this, but she had talked about how they would sit outside and look at the sky and kind of dream about aliens coming and taking them away. Right. So it kind of starts off as a fantasy. And I think that this fed into, I don't know, you just see the the groundwork being laid, right? Mm -hmm. And Terry is heavily featured in this as well. And what a heartbreaking story. I mean, she seems okay, Mm -hmm. but like, Mm -hmm. my goodness. I agree. It's heartbreaking. I mean, so they discuss how Bonnie talks to her as if we were meant we were meant to meet. I'm meant to give you this message. We're supposed to go out and share something. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing romantic between them. That's something that needs to be stated up front. The two were not romantic. Marshall was actually homosexual. Yes. Which he hated about himself being yes. brought up in a very strict religious household. And that breaks mm-hmm. my heart. That absolutely breaks my heart. Yep. And I wonder if maybe that wasn't the case, if he didn't feel bad about it. None of this would have happened. I don't know. But here we are. So once, we'll go back to T and Doe. Once Doe, Herf, is released from the hospital, he goes home with Bonnie and moves in with them. Yeah. It's just not great. No. Doesn't feel good. And so having a young child and a guy that you bring home from the mental institution (laughs) might not have been the best of parenting moves. I mean, you never get the feeling that he was dangerous in the, like he wasn't violent. He wasn't like a sexual predator or anything Mm -hmm. as far as this is describing him. But, you know, it seems like a stretch to be released and then go straight home with somebody you just met. It just seems odd. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like it's good for anybody. No. In this situation. Right. And of course, shortly thereafter, Bonnie's husband divorced her, which, are we surprised? I mean, I'm not. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. So T and O left to, quote, find out what they needed to do. Like, they didn't even know. They just knew there was something big they were supposed to do together. They leave. They said they would be back. This is what they tell Terry. They'll be back. They never came back, guys. They just Mm -hmm. left. Right. They do a journey of self-exploration. They kind of drive around the country talking to other new age groups. Mm-hmm. And and it's probably a lot of shopping cart religion. Like we'll take a bit of this. We'll take a bit of that. Make it all work for us. They end up in Oregon on the coast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they determine that they are the two witnesses foretold in the book of Revelations. Destined to be martyred, then rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. Which is convenient. Again, I say to you that, I mean, that's how a lot of religions form, right? You take a little bit from the old, you have a little bit from Mm -hmm. the new. I mean, that's pretty standard, which is pretty smart because like I said, I think people are more willing to acquiesce to what you want if it's not too weird Mm -hmm. in scope. Right. Right. I mean, (laughs) I I feel like this one is too weird for most people, which, and Mm -hmm. it is. I mean, you'll find that a lot of people, although they did get people to, to join them, it's not like they had huge numbers like say Jonestown or something right thank god I will say but yeah I mean if you're like okay well the cloud that's mentioned in the bible isn't actually a cloud it's a spacecraft so now you're just taking those bits and making it work for what you want Mm -hmm. blending it together and people like oh I get it I see yeah Mm -hmm. I see what they want to see right yep (sighs) 
But they also said, with a powerful enough telescope, you could see God. Hey, I mean, I like the uh, enthusiasm. <laughs> Do you think he waves back? He's just like, hey, guys, like, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe stop killing people. <laughs> just that's where I would start if I were God. Let's, let's not. Okay, let's not. Mm-hmm. When they started this, that what's what's interesting to me is because this is a very doomsday cult, right? We have a lot of these, especially in the 90s, getting towards the millennium. We have a lot of the end is nigh cults. And mm-hmm. so when they start this, they felt the end was very near. It was any day now, right? We have a very limited amount of time to get rid of our humanity and become good enough to transcend. Mm-hmm. One of the people that you had talked about earlier, I don't know if it's the cult experts, but they talk about millenarian and those are end of times religions, which is Mm -hmm. definitely what this one was. But yeah, I mean, again, they put it out there at the beginning for you. Like this isn't something that evolves. They always knew that at some point they would have to lose these suits so they can ascend. But what's interesting to me, well, the whole thing's fucking interesting, but Uh uh, what's interesting about that is that you have a video of Dick, um, Jocelyn. Thank you, Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. He was one of the original members, but he states that you can't get to the next level if you're dead. You have to be alive and physically healthy to get to the next level. Like they thought their human suit would change into an alien suit and then they would be in the spaceship. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a a metaphorical, it was an actual. Right, a metamorphosis. And they do kind Mm -hmm. of talk a little bit about the changes and how that, you know, is individual for everybody. We're going to get into the part where Robert Balk, Mm -hmm. he's a sociologist at the University of Montana, and he goes undercover into this group Mm -hmm. with a friend of his, David Taylor. And I love the fact that they're like very cloak and dagger and there's like notes on scraps of paper and they're like, you know, kind of clandestine making phone calls or whatever. And I just thought that was hysterical. But, you know, they also talk about there's no real authority in this group because sometimes cults, you definitely get the feeling that it's more about the leader than it is about the religion. And maybe they all kind of shift to that over time. But this one was very mm-hmm. much like my journey might be slightly different than yours. I mean, the basics are the same, but there is some individual, I don't know, aspects to this that might have been different from what had been at least known about cults other places. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really liked most about this cult Mm -hmm. it's hard to say i like the cult you know what i mean Mm -hmm. one that they put their crazy out there from the beginning they don't try to sell you on something like this is just a normal religion and we're just trying to be good people and then once you Mm -hmm. get in it's completely different right or the other thing is is a lot of cults like you said it's a power it's a power thing right the person in charge wants Mm -hmm. the power enjoys the power and it has a lot of times to do with sex we see a lot of leaders Mm -hmm. of cults enjoying relations with all the ladies and none of the other members can enjoy said relations but just that person so it's it's a combination of things and this one doesn't have any of that it is not a power hierarchy worship me right Mm -hmm. at least in the beginning it has nothing to do with sex in actuality they're kind of asexual like they just yeah yeah they abstain from it entirely you're not supposed to think about it nothing and i think a lot of that goes back to doe really disliking the fact that he's a homosexual. So he wants to just get rid of that portion of himself and everyone else should as well, because that's part of being a human. Yes. They also say that you have to get rid of any addictions. You cut ties with your children. Don't focus. No, I mean, career is not an option. Don't Mm -hmm. think about 
any people, everything's got to go. So any attachments that you have to this life, that's has to fall by the wayside. So you mm-hmm. are quotey fingers cleansed. And so this is part of your journey to get to the next level, which is what we're all trying to do. I mean, right. that's what the cult's trying to do. They're trying to graduate to the next mm-hmm. level. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I just don't understand at all is they said that they would often at night just sit and look at the sky and watch for UFOs. Okay. Do you take a towel with you just in case you see one? Do you have a flare? How do you get the attention? If you see one, what do you do? Well, I mean, they're advanced beings, so they probably see you before you, I mean, like they don't need you to signal them. You know, they're like, ooh, some followers. We're going to go and beam them up. Mm -hmm. Also, let me tell you, I was in, I mean, like I would like, right. I understand how this is happening. I understand the message. I understand why people might be attracted to this all up until you understand that there are hundreds of people fucking camping all over the place. And I'm like, and we're done. (laughs) No, thanks. Okay. I'm going to say this and you might not believe me, but there are a lot of people who really enjoy camping. It's true. Yes. But like at a campground with like bathrooms and stuff, I don't know. Like you kind of got the feeling that this was just like wherever you could pitch a tent in the general vicinity rather than an organized vacation type situation. Like camping can be great. I mean, they made air mattresses for a reason, but just the people and the disorganization would have really been a turnoff for me. Right. Well, what's funny is you mentioned disorganization because they have a very structured belief system Mm -hmm. that just doesn't apparently trickle down to their living. They said they lived a nomadic life. It was social chaos. Yes. That's never a good term. And (laughs) they had meetings twice a day. And the meetings they spent time tuning into the next level using actual tuning forks. Oh, yeah. You put that on your head. You like got that vibration going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe I would have liked to have driven by or walked by to see (laughs) these people doing this. That probably would have been pretty interesting. But yeah. Yeah. And none of these people had jobs. So they were living off of donations. Again, fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, and yeah, they explained it like, okay, so you would go to someone's door and say, hey, we want to explain this belief system to you. Also, if you give a donation, we'll do some chores for you. So I do appreciate mm-hmm. they're like, listen, we'll mow your lawn. We just need like 10 bucks to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can get behind that. But yeah, they, they left their jobs. They left their families. They left their children to do this. We meet a sociologist and cult expert, Janja Lalik. I'm not sure you pronounce her name, but she's, I've seen her in many documentaries about cults. So she's yep. fairly prolific in everyone. It's interesting. Cause she's like, listen, I know people want to say only stupid people get in cults or only specific type of people, but mm-hmm. anyone is susceptible. And a lot of times they're actually fairly intelligent because this, I don't agree with. She says, cults okay. don't want loners. They want highly competent individuals who can help. I mean, Yes, they want them competent, but they really want people who are malleable a lot of times. But I guess maybe coming into it, they might be mm-hmm. a little different than once you start the sleep deprivation or the lack of food or whatever tactics mm-hmm. they use to kind of gain that control. I don't know. Well, maybe it's a little combination of the two, right? So if you're a competent person, maybe you're coming into the cult with some savings or Mm -hmm. you're a person like even once you've been broken down and and possibly brainwashed, which is something that they talk about, maybe it's a situation where you can follow instructions, you can complete a task. So I think that maybe 
you don't want people who really have fallen off, you know, just really aren't able to function in regular society. You're going to want people that have some social skills and some kind of, you know, some of that kind of stuff. I picked up on what she, she said there too, as far as, um, you know, they want people that can help the cult do whatever it is they want to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it also kind of occurred to me, like, do they really want a lot of independent thinkers? I, I really can't imagine that that's the case. Right. Well, independent thinking isn't necessarily akin to intelligence, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can figure out how to disassemble a computer and put it back together mm-hmm. and still be in a cult, which we find later you have people yes. who are programmers, you yep. have people who are doing jobs. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, she's always very adamant about, don't think you're too good for this. Don't think you couldn't be part of this. Anyone, if they find the right weakness or they find you at the right time of weakness, right. yep. anyone is susceptible to it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that society loves to look and judge and all that kind of stuff. But Really, these things would not be as prevalent as they are if, you know, the incidence of being absorbed into them was rare. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I talk about people leaving their children. We meet Kelly Cook, who's a daughter of two members. Both her parents left. And she's like, they were both very smart. Right. But they sat her down to tell her they were leaving her for the cult. And what's interesting is that even at 10 years old, she's like, fucking UFOs? Seriously? Like, come on. But she went to live with her grandparents. Both of her parents left her to go do this. I'm sorry, but I think if you think this is what you need to do and you think this is a better way of life, would you take your kids with you? I'm not condoning people taking their kids to cults, but that doesn't make sense to me. Right. We're going to do this because we believe it's the right way, but you were going to leave you behind. But nobody brought their kids here, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that must have been a rule that you couldn't bring your kids. It's like just adults. We don't want any youngins. They didn't expressly say that. No, but they did say at one point in time, when you have family members looking for their missing, you know, kids or Mm -hmm. spouses or, you know, siblings or whatever, they're like, Hey, they're all consenting adults. Yep. They chose to do this. I'm like, okay, well I get it. If you don't have kids involved, you can say Mm -hmm. that. And some of the members or the former members um, do talk about the difficulty in leaving the families and, you know, how, how mad their families are about this. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that that's true. I, I don't know what it would be like to lose somebody to like something quite like this. Right. I think it would be terrifying just to not hear from them at all. And this is the day and age of this is, I mean, this is older, right? So we don't have texts, we don't have cell phones, we don't have mm-hmm. any of these things. And so you would just hope for a phone call randomly sometime, a letter or mm-hmm. something, but they were not allowed to contact their family members for the most part. Every now and then they got a, the privilege, I guess. But yes, Kelly had said that when they they went to leave, she's like, it was like trying to compete with God because she lost that competition. She wasn't going to win. And is God really in the market to get you to come? Like, that doesn't seem like a very godly attribute, right? I don't know. He's a very jealous God in the Bible. So yeah. yeah, yeah, he's all about competing and winning. And if you don't take him and him first, then you die. There's a lot of smiting and killing. All right. I know people don't like to think about that because they want to say he's an all loving God, but I call bullshit. But you're like, there was that first Testament, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, if right. you think about it, even with Noah's Ark, only Noah's family went on. He killed every other human. Every Mm. fucking other human on the planet. That includes women, children of all ages, children in utero, if you will. Right. Yeah. A lot of that. Anyway, 
she wasn't going to win in that competition. No. We do kind of bounce back to then Robert and David, who had gone undercover, and they do a an article for Psychology Today about the UFO people. Mm-hmm. They call it the UFO people article. And they do make sure that they mention there's really no coercion. They kind of call out that there's no specific brainwashing, at least at this point. So trying to kind of paint an accurate picture, but also saying that some of that that you would expect from a cult is not really present at this time. So kind of interesting. Right. And then apparently after that, it becomes like a media blitz, right? That's what I've got too, sure. Yeah. Which they determined, Tiendo, after getting slaughtered in the the media, that Mm -hmm. that's actually how they're being martyred from the media. And then it's a metaphorical kind of rebirth. Death, yeah. Death and resurrection. Killed by the media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is like... That's some spin doctoring of high, high order. I mean, all religion does a lot of spin doctoring. (laughs) That's the only way to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then it kind of drives the UFO cult, which is kind of what they're known at this time. I have that this is 19 and 76. Mm -hmm. So they kind of go underground a little bit more than they had been before. Um, Their membership numbers are at 40 to 50, Mm -hmm. a little bit more intense. They're starting to talk specifically more about the next level, which Mm -hmm. is what this is all about. A lot of regimented stuff. There's like a check partner. So you kind of always have a a hall monitor, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of, and that's, that's pretty standard, I think, in any of these regimented societies is that, I mean, Scientology talks a lot about kind of eyeballing everybody and making sure that everybody knows what you're up to and they will Mm -hmm. report you and blah 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 Mm -hmm. you mentioned before that there's no sex basically they're trying to lose their humanness their humanity they're looking for conformists Mm -hmm. they talk about their body being the quotey fingers vehicle and they're convinced that they're aliens and they're just hanging out inside this this vehicle but yeah i i really like the fact that they're they have a big thing of new terms <laughs> like yeah you know what I mean like the vehicle is the body and the kitchen is I mean like there's a different word for a kitchen and you know that might come a little later specifically but once it was explained it actually made sense they said well if you oh yeah if you put new words to these terms you have a new way of looking at it right so mm-hmm. you're no longer like, oh, well, this is my body. Like, oh, it's just the it's just the vessel. Vehicle, sorry. It's just the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Just getting me from point A to point B. And the food is just the fuel. Well, I don't know what they called it, but you know what I mean? So you look at it in a completely different way. Right, right. And it kind of gives you that distance. Like, it's no longer my body. It's my vehicle. And, like, once you do those kinds of things, it's easier to, I don't know, get rid of it. <laughs> so. Right? One of the things that it just kind of puts stuff in perspective, they said, everything you do is a test. Everything you do, no matter where you are, what you're about, it's a test. And you're striving to be perfect. Jesus, that's like a lot to try to do. Yeah, I think it would be extremely difficult. And again, you have people monitoring you. So I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I kind of wish someone would follow me around. And every time I go to put some junk food in my mouth, they would just smack it out of my hand. (laughs) And then we can move on. Yeah, that's what I need. I mean, again, I think it sounds good on paper, but I think it'd be really annoying. You're like, God, can I not just go to the bathroom by myself? Oh, like, yeah, it would be fucking annoying. Please. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had no privacy mm-hmm. during any of this. And I think, again, all of this reinforces this 
like you're not a human anymore you're a robot now Mm -hmm. and we don't want any of these I mean feelings can be very messy and and all those kinds of things and I have definitely been in a situation before where I'm like, if I could just not feel anything for a little while, that'd be great. Yeah. So this is actively what they're working towards. Right. They write a book. And what they do point out in the book is there's a list of 17 steps. There's a list of behavioral guidelines. And it's like, Uh, it's like two pages, Mm -hmm. single space, 10 font. I mean, it's a lot. (laughs) But I didn't write all the 17 steps down, but some of them are like... Mm -hmm. Can you follow instructions? Are you physically clumsy? Okay, well, you're out. I mean, that's not something. I'm absolutely out. <laughs> that's something you can control, yeah. really, right? <laughs> Despite my best efforts, yeah. Right? Do you procrastinate? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm out. There's no errands now. What kind of group do you have without <laughs> any errands? No private thoughts. No private thoughts. How the fuck does that even work? Um, I don't know. I mean, I often think if anybody could see the stupid shit that's going on inside my head, they would be really like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what kind of journaling that would take to get that out of there. Again, that's just the way brains work. You can't really control that, right? Unless everything (laughs) that comes into your brain falls out of your mouth. And no Mm -hmm. one wants that. I just... Oh, hell no. They said strict obedience were demanded for entry into the next level. So now I guess I'm just stuck on this level. Oh, balls. Yeah. (laughs) right uh okay one thing that's interesting is people were allowed to leave they weren't kept mm-hmm. against their will they right there were many people that left and came back mm-hmm. probably because once you leave you leave everything you know behind how difficult it would be to reintegrate into society with people who have no idea what you've been through or what you're doing or how you think yeah there's probably comfort in the familiarity and the predictability of this mm-hmm. would be my guess Mm-hmm. And they said when people left the group, the energy in the group actually increased because you feel like, oh, well, we made it. We are the real mm-hmm. dedicated ones. So, yeah, it, it's again, it's interesting to see the mental gymnastics that people take to make sense of some of the stuff. Yes, it's a lot of effort. And I mean, good to be dedicated to something. I just wish it wasn't this for their sake. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in 1976, 77 members are given new names. They're always six letters. They always end in ODY. So sometimes they would take a couple letters from your first name or they would just randomly assign letters. So Rob became Robody, which is R-B-B-O-D-Y. Sawyer became Swody. Swody? Mm-hmm. I don't know. S-W-Y-O-D-Y. Mm-hmm. And so the O-D was part of a, like your family name, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what it meant. It meant like little, little ones or children or something like that. And like you were followers. Mm -hmm. And then once you became adults in theory, graduated and went up to the spaceship, they would drop the Y, right? Because it was diminutive to have the Y. Right. So names have meaning, right? Mm -hmm. And names have history. And so when you change your name, a lot of that is erased. And I thought that was I mean, brilliant in this in this case where you're trying to dissociate people from former lives and humanity and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, this is where they start really hitting that androgyny. So right. you're not female or male. You are genderless. So it's like short haircuts. And there's very, I mean, no, but they didn't have to necessarily wear the same clothes at this point. But it's just very nonspecific. Right. They had kind of uniforms. They weren't quite the uniforms that they become. But... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's um I don't know. I didn't have anything really great there to say either. <laughs> None of it's great. None of it's great. No, it's just it's just the progression of this thing. Like, you know, it just builds over time and there's it's all these small steps, which is exactly how it was so effective, right? Mm-hmm. T and Doe start to think that they're being followed. And and in one sense mm-hmm. they are. Some of the family members are trying to find them, but they're still moving around a lot. Thankfully, one of the members inherits a good deal of money. And mm-hmm. so they were able to start living in mansions. They started renting mansions. So from campgrounds to mansions, that seems like a leap. But sure. I mean, they had the money. Why not? And especially there's probably a spin to that. Like, look, we're following the doctrine as we should. And now we've been provided for, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. in my heart, I know that there was a couple of these long diatribes just about something like that. Because there are there are a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, David Morris his family, for, for one thing, is looking for him. Her name is Nancy Brown, and she is pretty continuously searching for him. But, I mean, you know, there's some different footage of her talking to, like, a news organization or something mm-hmm. about the search. And, I mean, I just can't imagine what that would be like, because he left home at 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so. T and Doe are much older than I feel like the majority of the rest of The rest of them seem you know, early to mid twenties, late teens, mm-hmm. when they join in the seventies. Well, I mean, T and Doe were millions of years old. So obviously <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't compete with that. <laughs> yes. But on earth years, they were also quite a bit older. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. but the parents, she forms, is it Nancy? She forms a, like a parent network. So if they mm-hmm. have anyone hears about them nearby, they kind of get in yes. touch with one another again before the internet guys. So this wasn't easy. And by the Mm -hmm. time other people heard about it, it was probably too late and they'd probably moved on. But I mean, to have a network of families that are struggling with what you're going through is sort of like a support system, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, think about, I mean, there's all kinds of groups that do this. Isn't Al-Anon and some of those, I would think that that's sort of in the same vein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I assume there's a phone tree involved. I don't know. Some kind of flow chart (laughs) of how to get in touch with people. Yeah, and it, God knows if you activate that phone tree, it's it's going down. You can't call back. No. Yeah, that's some serious <laughs> business, right? <laughs> and let's let's discuss the fact that this is right around the time that the Jonestown massacre happens, right? So family members are seeing this on the news, and if your family member, your children, your siblings, whomever, you know, have joined a cult, not this particular one, but have joined a cult of some sort, and you haven't mm-hmm. heard from them. This has to be terrifying because now you're seeing how this could end. Well, this is your worst fear, right? That right. it will have gone off the rails in mm-hmm. such a way that they all die. Yeah. It would be very jarring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those not familiar, Jonestown was a mass suicide and murder, but there were over 900 people in South America that were originally from, well, actually the church started in Indiana. In Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, aren't we proud. <laughs> Moved right. to California and then moved down to South America so they could live quotey fingers in peace. But um, yeah, over 900 people dead on that one. Yeah. It was horrific. Right. So the phrase drink the Kool-Aid came from that as well. Everyone. Yes. So yes. And it wasn't Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid, which I'm sure Kool-Aid was like, God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> They're like, our mascot is charming, but even I don't know if he can overcome the, uh, right. the, associate with Jonestown. Right. Uh, we'll just add more sugar. Mm. <laughs> Who 
who needs teeth anyway? <laughs> so one thing that T says that blows my mind is she can't understand why parents are so upset because kids leave all the time. They move out, they, they grow up and she doesn't understand what the big deal is. And I'm like, I don't think people are concerned that their kids moved out. I think they're concerned they haven't heard from them in 10 years or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, how interesting that she's saying that when you find out kind of around this time that she is in communication with her own daughter, Terry. Yeah. So, I mean, that's when you know shit's going well. You're not following your own doctrine. But don't most of them go that route? I mean, most of the cult leaders do not follow the practices they put in place for their people. Well, that's right. It's the old do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. But so this is kind of in 1985 that T ends up having cancer in her eye Mm -hmm. and she passes. I don't think it's a great amount of time. I think it's very sad that Terry finds out about this some months later, like nine months later. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of hear that Doe sends Terry a tape, which is kind of self-serving and annoying in most polite ways that I can say it. Well, and he admits that he was a fucking coward. Right? Like, I know I should have come to you. I should have called you. I should have talked to you. But this is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I'm sending you a tape instead. Yeah, and your mom didn't want us to tell you. Okay, great. So I'm glad that she died surrounded by a bunch of strangers. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So if she dies, let's talk a little bit about that. That doesn't seem to go along real well with their, their current belief system. Right. Who is the... I don't think I got the name of the guy who who talks about how they, they deal with that cognitive dissonance, right? Oh, shit. I don't know that I have it either. Well, I apologize, gentlemen. You are lovely and very educated. But he discusses, this is a problem with a lot of religions, right? You set up this idea, you set up this belief system, and then if something changes, and he even references Christianity. And when So mm-hmm. Jesus died, and now they're like, okay, well... If he's a messiah, technically he couldn't die. So they changed the definition of messiah, right? <laughs> we'll make this work somehow. Yes. And they kind of have to do the same thing. Doe is now left with trying to describe or, or make sense of this to the people who follow because you weren't supposed to die. You were supposed to be living to then get to transition up into the UFO. But then he decides that she left because he it was his turn to take responsibility and she's actually guiding him from the spaceship she's there already he's still in constant contact all the time yeah how convenient yeah (laughs) it's just crazy the i don't know i don't i don't know i do have his name i did find it okay do you want it it's biza aslan he's a religious scholar how did i not write that name that's the best name i've ever heard Yeah, I think you're born into religion if you have such an epic name. Um, If your last name is Aslan, yeah, I think it's law. Yeah, but he talks about the cognitive dissonance and changing up them beliefs when things don't fall all into place. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry, I took a little departure because I was like, I know I wrote his name down somewhere. So it's fine. Do with that as you will. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, Doe's explanation also is it looked like she was sick and died. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, the next level consciousness just burned up her human body. Again, how convenient. Wouldn't that be like an internal combustion kind of thing? Not a (laughs) cancer kind of thing? I don't know. I mean, I I like the idea that that it's just too powerful to be contained within this (laughs) fragile form. 
<laughs> that we have to deal with all the time. My fragile form could barely get out of bed this morning because I was so stiff. So, 100%. Copy that. Mm. My back. My back. I'm too old. <laughs> they do also discuss that within a decade of T passing, Doe declares himself as Jesus returned to earth and T is the Heavenly Father. That's a leap. Yeah, there's no check for him anymore, right? So he's falling off the rails. Remember, he did have a stent in a mental institution, and not that you can't come back from that. Mm -hmm. But he showed some signs of mental illness before this all got started. And I think she was maybe more of a a balancing force. Grounding um, force. Yeah, yeah, as she was removed, at least physically, as they're obviously in contact all the time, quotey fingers, that he's just not handling it super well. I mean, he's just Mm -hmm. got all the power now. So yeah, he starts to kind of go off the rails again. Like the message Mm -hmm. gets much more biblical. Yep. He gets everyone to marry him. I use that language lightly. (laughs) They all get a, a cheap gold band and they put it on and they have a ceremony where each one individually goes up and marries him. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where the point switches from the message to the messenger, right? So now the messenger is the central focus of this whole Mm -hmm. to do, which is on par for a cult. Well, I think that too harkens back to some, when they're trying to live a monastic lifestyle, because isn't there some precedence for marrying God? If you're like a nun, Mm -hmm. I think that that's correct. Yeah. So yeah, they're just all in now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, It gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, yeah. We move into the 90s. And, you know, they get on some radio shows. They have home movies they show us. But they do try to talk about brainwashing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Someone had mentioned T and Doe gave us the tools to brainwash ourselves. I appreciate that, that you're taking responsibility for it for yourself. Wow. Yeah. And Janja did say that a lot of people in her field do not believe that brainwashing is a thing. And she's like, nope, as someone who has been in a cult, I absolutely believe in brainwashing. And she goes on to explain that not all cults are religious. She right. was in a political cult, which I find so fascinating. Right. She was in for about 10 and a half years, but she said after like six years, she really was no longer believing what they believed, but she was right. too afraid to mm-hmm. get out. Didn't know how to get out. Yep. Yep. That's kind of how it happens all the time. Right. Yeah, she talks about how the indoctrination changes people. And I do like the fact that there are opportunities within that times then you, there's some recognition of like, I'm just not into this anymore. But I do understand like how terrifying it must be mm-hmm. to be like, how do I move past this at this point? This is everything I know. I mean, like 10 years, mm-hmm. most people yeah. aren't in a job anymore for 10 years. Right. And if we think about it, a lot of the people in Heaven's Gate have been there for over 15 years at this point. Right. And they have nothing else in their lives. Yeah. No, they've got They're completely isolated. Yeah. 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 Can we talk about the fact that they're really into Star Trek? Not a surprise, I should think, for anybody (laughs) who knows that they're like a UFO cult. But the disturbing part was that Doe talks about, like, he was really into the board, Mm -hmm. which is like a hive mentality. Yes. Like, everyone is just essentially a battery. Think of the Matrix. Mm -hmm. And you're just part of the whole. Right. You have no consciousness of your own. That sounds fucking horrible. Why is that a good thing? Well, it's so contrary to our nature. And that's the part that I'm like, you want to strive towards something that we are not able. We 
doesn't, I don't care what you do. We mm-hmm. will never be able to live up to something like that. Right. And he tries to make it out like, well, as long as you're in service to God, then this is okay. Not having your own ideas and mm-hmm. thoughts, you're having God's thoughts then. And I'm like, still, I don't, I don't think that sounds cool, man. No, don't like it. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. In 1993, after 18 years, Frank leaves the group. Yeah. Now, Frank and his girlfriend, Erica, had joined back in the beginning in 1975. He talks about an incident where he was talking. He had just woke up. He went to meeting and he was talking to Doe. Mm -hmm. And his voice was deeper because he had just woken up. So it was a little scratchy. Mm -hmm. And Doe kind of made fun of him and spoke in like this really deep voice to kind of make fun of him. Even if it wasn't meant to be condescending, he took it that way. He's like, I know, mm-hmm. really, he was probably just trying to say, hey, you sound too masculine. You're not supposed to sound masculine. Mm-hmm. But he really got upset. Frank got upset. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, I can't do it. And I got to leave. Mm-hmm. And I find of all the things, that's what pushed you out. It seems like a really small thing to push you out. But Well, maybe it's cumulative, right? So he right. didn't say that specifically. But I can imagine like this is the like I've dealt with a lot of shit I brought my girlfriend in here we've been here for years and years Mm -hmm. and this is this is just the the straw that broke the camel's back was that you're making fun of my morning voice when like obviously Frank didn't do this with any malice behind it but he's like look I I cannot control everything I mean this Mm -hmm. is this is what I'm imagining but right yeah but because of that incident he still has problems speaking it seems like a very forced thing to do and he has to consciously Mm -hmm. think about forcing himself to speak because of that and I Mm -hmm. find that fascinating and I hope he has a therapist yeah and they didn't really discuss that there are a couple times in here that it doesn't seem like he has as much trouble so I wonder if it's just like because the camera is on or something like that Mm -hmm. but yeah that psychosomatic thing I mean Mm -hmm. which is what I'm assuming that is but um yeah it affected him in such a way that he is still dealing with it Right. Like, that's crazy, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Erica called him after he left Mm -hmm. and essentially begged him to come back. And, uh, of course, there's not much she could say or he could say because there was that check buddy on the line and would have heard everything. But he Mm -hmm. tried to get her to leave as well, and she did not. And that's the last time he talked to her. Right. Which is heartbreaking. We meet Steve Hassan. Mm -hmm. He's a cult expert and... I believe, is he the one that um, helps people get out of cults? Yeah, I have that he's also an exit expert. Yes, yes. But he has explained that leaving a cult doesn't get out of your head, right? You've been living with this for 15, 20 mm-hmm. years or however long. It mm-hmm. would take a whole lot of work to to start thinking for yourself again. More than anything, starting to think mm-hmm. for yourself and make your own decisions again. Right. He also mentions the ASCH conformity study. Yep. And I've seen this before, but it's it's like a group of, say, seven people. They're sure. all sitting at a table and there's a picture of different, like three different length lines. And then there's a line to the left and you're supposed to say, okay, which line is the same length as this line on the left? Right. One, two, mm-hmm. or three. It's pretty obvious. It's not like you have to measure it. It's obvious right. which one it matches. Mm-hmm. Everyone on this panel is in on the experiment except for one person Mm -hmm. in the first couple rounds everyone says the right answer right and then they start saying the wrong answer but they all say the wrong answer so then that person who's not part of the experiment 
do you say the right answer? Or do you say the wrong one? And he said, two thirds of people will start giving the wrong answer just because they need to conform. Right. So peer pressure keeps you in line in this case. And they're like, again, you know, we kind of talked at the beginning about people make fun of people who get in cults, but again, like getting in is one thing, staying in is a whole nother. And this is a good example of you will conform to what's going on around you because Mm -hmm. we have such a need to fit in. Right. So, and I love every time I see these because I'm going to be like, I want to be the one third. (laughs) I want to be the one third to be like, you guys are stupid. No, like I wouldn't actually say that. I'd be like three every fucking time or whatever it is. And I try to, I try to think of examples. Okay. Has there been a time in my life where other mm-hmm. people said one thing, you said another, and I generally, uh-huh. I'd like to think of myself as being like, listen, maybe it's just my bad vision, but this one looks closer. I don't know. Right. I, I probably right. would say the correct one, but I would not say it with confidence. I would justify the answer, mm-hmm. which is a very female trait, unfortunately. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's a really nice example of a small situation that's easy to grasp that, you know, you were like, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. but the pressure on these people is so immense. Like you have a check partner, you have all these people, mm-hmm. you've been removed from any other support. And so I think, you know, if you've ever been gaslit, that's another sort of example in my mind that, you know, mm-hmm. people are telling you to doubt what your experience is or what your senses are telling you. And most of us in those situations will conform. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the easiest thing to do, right? Right. And at one time in our history, it was about survival, right? Like we needed to be part of the group. So we didn't get kicked to the, you know, the outskirts of whatever. So we Mm -hmm. died out there. So, I mean, that's sort of, I think, where this all comes from. Right. So as we said, Doe is really anti-sex. He says sex is the strongest drug. I don't know. I've done a lot of drugs. So I'm going to (laughs) say equally strong. Yeah. People had to constantly push down any attraction they felt, any sensuality they felt. There were shame for nocturnal emissions, which you have no control over. I don't understand shaming something. I understand during the waking hours when you have control over something, listen, you shouldn't shame someone for it. But for their purposes, I get it. Mm-hmm. Do not get the nocturnal emission one where they're like, well, you have to tell us that you did this. And write your name on a list or something. Right. You have to track it. And I just wrote, ew. Yes. So So bad. Yeah. It gets to the point, Doe finds out, he doesn't find out. He lets Dick Joslin know that his vehicle is attracted to Dick's vehicle. Mm -hmm. Both men are gay. Right. And because of that, Dick essentially had to be reassigned right because they were working together yeah yeah he was sort of um an assistant of a variety and they do talk quite a bit about this that dick jocelyn was a was a fine looking specimen i mean he was a lovely Mm -hmm. individual Mm -hmm. and i mean i think at one point he had been an actor and uh, Mm -hmm. whatnot so but i think it's really funny that this is the gateway into like not only could he doe was like i'm gonna have to put some space between myself and dick but we're also going to have to start looking into castration that seems extreme but yeah yeah another big headline if anybody's familiar with heaven's gate that they they had this on their their cult resume is yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a lovely cv they got going yeah 
Yeah, he said, I mean, he quotes the Bible. He said, if if your eye offends you, pluck it out. And I'm like, uh, I don't I don't think you're referencing it the same way. I'm pretty sure that's in reference to <laughs> if you're looking at someone and you're trying to say that I need to rape her because of this or whatever, then your eyes should be plucked out, right? Better to get rid of that eye. Yeah. Yeah. I could be really wrong about that. Either way, he's saying my testicles offend me. <laughs> well, I would think most men would find that unappealing to say it mildly. <laughs> I agree. It seems like an extreme fucking situation. Yes. yes. Again, if you're under pressure to not have nocturnal emissions or to feel attracted mm-hmm. to anybody in this cult, I can understand where you're like, well, that would take away one of my worries. Right. The execution, in my opinion, <laughs> leaves something to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> so Sawyer talks about how, oddly enough, he was all on board with this. He's like, yep, I'm in. I'm all in and I'm ready to do whatever it has to take. So right. there's also a member called Sorodi, who was Mm -hmm. just gung-ho about everything. And so both of these two gentlemen were ready to go. Let's Mm -hmm. get this done. So they had to flip a coin to determine who went first. Mm -hmm. Sorodi won that flip. So he went first. One of the members is a nurse. And apparently she had worked with a doctor who had done these kinds of surgeries. So of course she's fully qualified. (laughs) So... She does she does the castration, they remove the testicles, and there's some there's some complications because then the scrotal sac starts to swell right like a lot. Yeah. And Sorody's in extreme pain too. Like Yeah. Did they talk about how they sedated him? I it was wasn't it alcohol and no, I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Well, I was curious because the way that this part plays out is like it was cut. It immediately started swelling, which I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like he was in pain. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure what the timeline was for some of that. So he's in pain. They're like, Oh, what are we going to do? And they don't want to take him to a hospital initially because they don't want to be asked too many questions. They don't want to mm-hmm. be found out, but eventually they end up taking him. Yeah. Yeah. And Sawyer and one other gentleman, throw the testicles into the ocean because they don't want to be, they don't want to have any evidence. I'm like, why did you still have them in the first place? Were you just carrying them around in your pocket in case you needed them? What the fuck? I assume they wrapped up in a paper towel. Very creepy. And a lovely coin purse. Oh, yes. So he got the treatment that he needed. I believe Mm -hmm. that he survived. Also, are they not going to think that when you go to the hospital, they're going to realize what happened? Yeah. You know, like, the having still having the testicles is like the most I don't know the weirdest detail of this because I'm like look you're not going to be able to put them back in why is this the detail you're focusing on I don't, I don't know. know I don't know I don't he even uh, mentioned he's like maybe we didn't need to do that and I'm like maybe not also <laughs> just incinerate them I don't know it's yeah he he survived this debacle and yes you know Doe, at, during this, is like, oh, shit, we went too far. I shouldn't have allowed it. I shouldn't have allowed it. But right. too late, you already did. And Doe doesn't want to continue with castrations until they find a proper doctor who will do it, which they yep. did find. And seven to nine men got castrated, including Doe. He did get castrated. So so let's talk about this doctor or doctors, whoever they were. Did they do it because they're like... I'm going to try to do this for these people because I don't want them to hurt themselves. Or did they just throw enough money at you that 
you were like, eh, it's fine. I, you know, I'm just, they don't really talk about that, but I find that part very interesting. So. Right. Cause if, okay, let's, let's go back to final member and the doctor had discussed, I'm not cutting off a perfectly good penis just because you want to put it in a museum. Right. And I think this doctor you would think would have the same, listen, your testicles are fine. There's no cancer. There's no reason to get yes. rid of them. Yep. But I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Because I can imagine somebody being like, okay, we tried it by ourselves. So they kind of <laughs> float that out there. And somebody's like, all right, I don't want them to screw around and really hurt somebody. Right, right. Again? Yeah. I mean, I, I like that story better than, well, they just threw enough money at, at a doctor mm-hmm. or somebody who knew how to do this that they acquiesced. I don't know. Right. Oddly enough, Sawyer... It's not one of the gentlemen who got castrated, even though he was like lined up to do it initially. But after seeing what Sorodi went through, he was probably like, fuck that. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most men are pretty fond of their equipment. So, so fond. After watching something like that, you'd be like, you know what? We good. I'm, I'm just going to continue to shamefully write my name on the list of <laughs> people who had their nocturnal just, emissions and just put it up there every night. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. Just assume. Yeah. Ugh. But what's interesting is Kelly's dad had issues with the castration. And so he left the group and her mom actually came back as well. Yeah. And they had discussed that between 1975 and 1997, Suzanne and Wayne Cook, who were her parents, left and rejoined the group three separate times. I'm interested to know, one, why they left. This one makes sense, right? The castration is like, ooh, too far. Mm -hmm. But then why... Why they went back makes more sense than why they continuously left, right? They went back because that's what they knew. That's what they believed. Mm -hmm. Everything they had was there for the most part. But I also wonder if it's because they were a couple, right? Like if you had left, you know, and you were completely taken away from the world or that influence, but because they were a couple, Mm -hmm. like you're half in and half out. And I think it would really be hard to make a break in that case. You know what I, I mean? don't know. Yeah, but you're almost separated as a couple. I, I mean, even though you're a couple when you went in, you're not a yeah. couple when you're there. So. But then you come home and you, I assume, live together. Again, they didn't mm-hmm. talk about this, but those are right. the things that I think what I think it'd be easiest to just never really get the break that you're looking for if there's somebody around you that was mm-hmm. also involved. Right. I'm sure right. they talked about it and stuff. Mm hmm. I just feel really bad for Kelly. I mean, I can't imagine she's like, and then she's like, no. And then she's like, you know, like the relief and then the fear that they're going to leave again. And yeah, and then they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They talk about in 1991, the group tried to reach new members again. So they do like Mm -hmm. in media onslaught, they put out videos, they go on radio shows. They, I believe they also start touring again, if you will. (laughs) Yes. But I go back and say that in the 90s, you have a lot of doomsday cults because the year 2000 was coming up. Yep. So they're back in their element of, well, end of the world. What are you going to do? Right. They have a TV series called Beyond Human. They took an ad out in USA Today and added a PO box so people could contact them. Mm-hmm. They mailed out VHS tapes. They went back on the road, like I said. They put up, they put them flyers back up. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's uh, that was successful before. <laughs> not as much this time Mm -hmm. i enjoyed watching it when people started asking questions in the group right 
there was one member or one one audience member, I should say, that mm-hmm. was like, listen, this isn't the first time you've been around. I remember you being here in Oregon. Yeah. 15 years ago or whatever. Yep. And you believe the end was near. You were going to ascend into the UFO. Did that happen to anybody? And they're like, right. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. It kind of grills them, right? Like kind of takes them to task a little bit about, you know, what, what is this message you're trying to give me? And it really makes no sense. And kind of challenging some of the things that they hadn't really experienced that pushback before. Mm-hmm. And all of this is on tape. Like mm-hmm. you get to watch it and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, other people saying, Hey, pretty much what you're saying is just part of Christianity. What makes you different? What mm-hmm. makes you do this? Why would I do that? I, it's, I shouldn't be happy to watch that, but I really am. And watch people get up and leave in the middle. Yeah. Just walk out. Mm-hmm. Not the 70s anymore, man. Well, I mean, it's interesting to watch people have a little bit more skepticism about what they were saying. Where, like, mm-hmm. It seemed like people just fell all over themselves to join up the first time around. And so it's just kind of interesting to watch that the times have changed, but the message hasn't changed and mm-hmm. they're not as successful as they once were. I, I also enjoyed kind of like, Oh, look, right. <laughs> look at all the skeptics giving you guys some shit. Right. It's really funny. Yeah. And you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to find flyers and go to meetings just <laughs> sit there and be that person. Pay, excuse me. I have a question. Yeah. Are you saying that there could be errands that are dissenting voices <laughs> coming to a, coming to a banquet hall near you? Yes. Yeah. They were compared to Jim Jones again, to which I think it was Sawyer who was like, listen, if you think we're like Jim Jones, you should not be in this group because we're right, not. Right. And I appreciate that. He's like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. Right. They do have a business called Higher Source. It is run by the cult. So they kind of have run out of money from the inheritance. I mean, if you're renting yep. multi-million dollar homes, that happens. But they have enough members who are good with computers, who are programmers, who mm-hmm. would actually go to nine to five jobs sometimes. Yep. They have a website and they start putting their message online. They think this is how we're going to reach people. And Doe puts out a bunch of videos or just like Mm -hmm. long blurbs, like blog posts, essentially. And boy, the cyber bullies came out. They did. This is really alien heavy. I mean, like all of their messages, but it's just (laughs) someone who, again, was growing up in the 90s. Uh, yeah, it was rough. It was rough to watch it. And he, again, is so intense. And then to mm-hmm. have people just come out of the woodwork and rip him to shreds. Yeah. <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah. Let's see. Well, we could talk a little bit about Waco. I don't know exactly when the Waco thing happened for Branch Davidians. I don't know when their demise was, but it was very heavily televised. And I think a lot of Mm -hmm. the cults at the time paid attention because, you know, they, I mean, the government had a big hand in that. Also, spoiler, if you don't know that story. (laughs) But yeah. And so in the case of of UFO cult or Heaven's Gate, depending on what the time frame is, they were kind of like, ooh, could we mimic this? Could we get them to come after us? There was some discussion about if they... Mm -hmm basically could commit suicide by cop is what mm-hmm. I understood that to be. I don't know what your take on it was, but mm-hmm. so yeah, the cults of the day were very aware slash interested in what had happened to the branch Davidians and their demise. So I thought that part was interesting and I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Right. Seems rough. 
Yeah. Well, with the Branch Davidians, they had been stockpiling weapons, right? Waiting, yes. essentially waiting for this to happen. Yes. But causing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a fucked up situation. The government really kind of fucked up, but that's <laughs> not a surprise. Come on now. But yeah. But Doe's like, should we start buying weapons and stockpiling yeah. them just to get noticed? And uh, other people mm-hmm. were like, maybe not so much. Maybe not. <laughs> Which so I think much. kind of goes back to the fact that these people were very bright. They were very cerebral, like doing, um, you know, the computer programming and the putting out of their epic TV series and all these blurbs <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. these were not people that didn't have the wherewithal to be. I don't know, tech savvy. Right. So, which I think goes along beautifully with their aliens theory. Like if they were Absolutely. terrible technology, then I'm like, you don't have any business being on it, you know, a UFO. So I'm like, they were brand, they were on brand. So I really appreciate that about them. If they're just part of the hive, they're just a battery anyway. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. All right. Shared intelligence. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah. They start to realize that the world is uh, rotten. They're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. They have a meeting. They have a meeting about suicide as an exit, right? Apparently after that meeting, five people left, including Sawyer. And he states that he was ready to commit suicide, but it was his sexuality that started to come back and he started to notice mm-hmm. it and he didn't really want to tamp it down. Like he talked to Doe about it and Doe's like, listen, I can help with this and nothing really helped. And he was like, I just got to go. And Doe actually bought him a plane ticket and gave him $600. So that's such a contradiction to most calls mm-hmm. that are like, you cannot leave ever that he's like, mm-hmm. well, I'd really like you to stay and I'll help you. But then when it didn't work, he's like, all right, well, I still want you to do well, you know? Right. That's very contrary to what we've been taught about. Like there's, there's no exiting, right? Like once you're in, you're in. But again, mm-hmm. I think that because they played it so low key and in that way, there wasn't any pressure that it probably was helpful for people to come back. Yeah, and a lot of people did come back, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sawyer mentions that he still believes in all the teachings of T and oh, Yep. Which is incredible. But, you know. So now we're getting to 96, 97-ish. Right. The Hill Bop Comet was a big to-do, right? It was going to be the largest. It was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Biggest, closest comet in since, like, the 1600s or something crazy, right? Right, right. And... There were a whole lot of conspiracy theories around this. They talk about Art Bell, who is essentially, that's his whole radio show is conspiracy theories. Right. Sounds fucking delightful. He probably works at Fox News now. But people had called in saying, I took this picture and they sent the picture and they said, here's a picture of the comet. And clearly you can see like a companion object, right? That's huge. Yes. And then apparently the next day, a professor, I use that term loosely, called in and said, mm-hmm. absolutely, we saw the same thing. There was a companion object that is four times the size of Earth that's traveling along with the comet. Mm-hmm. It seems like bullshit, but sure. But this is really when the Heaven's Gate members are like, that's it. That's our sign. Yep. Yep. That's what we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. How does an object that's four times the size of Earth get close to earth just a question just a question really because i'm like how did they how do they know what the size of the companion object is i just i find those kinds of things very interesting because i think if you ask a couple questions it doesn't pan out like there are all kinds of other planets going around well i mean it's it's there's actually quite a bit of space between planets well agreed but like i don't know i just found that it's not like they're going in the same cycle either. So odds are it's not going to be near another planet. It would just come in. So unless it's coming in by the moon, it should not be an issue. 
Okay. As far as knowing the size of it, a proper astronomer probably could. They could probably tell you the distance, the size, and all that shit. That's their job, right? But a rando with a camera probably could not. I'm just saying, these conspiracy things tend to be, tend to be a little bit detail light. <laughs> so yeah. I oh, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Doe says that this is the uh, older member, also known mm-hmm. as T, and she told him time is short, right? The end is not. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's on the spaceship behind Hellbop. The companion object is mm-hmm. a spaceship. Apparently a spaceship's four times the size of Earth. That's a beast. Can you imagine how much fuel it takes to run it? Oh my God. Well, it's probably cold fusion. Absolutely. And yeah. this lines up really well with what their beliefs are about this spaceship. It's not going to be like some rinky dinky roller skate of mm-hmm. a thing. So I think when they start to hear some of these rumors about the companion object, that lines up really nicely. Mm-hmm. Also, since Hale-Bopp is coming and going to be closest to Earth in March, it also aligns nicely with Easter mm-hmm. and the alignment of the events to them is a proof. Like it, it helps solidify link those belief, up. Yeah. yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, another justification for it's real and shit. So um, I will mention that the members bought a telescope. They go into town to buy a telescope because yes. they want to see the companion <laughs> object, right? So they take it out, they look up in the sky, and they see the comet, but they don't mm-hmm. see the companion object. Mm-hmm. So they take the telescope back and say it's broken. <laughs> I mean, that could be a holy answer. <laughs> right, right. And, and there we get behind most most weird beliefs that were like, listen, if if you're looking at proof and it doesn't line up with your beliefs and you're just discarding it yes a problem mm-hmm. again we read one article about confirmation bias i mm-hmm. i beg you yep yeah but they decide okay march it is we've got a few months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they kind of live it up right they sure do they show videos of them at christmas baking and singing and telling stories they have a talent show they they sing horrible remakes of the sound of music songs oh god terrible yes to make them like worshipy and shit Mm -hmm. of tea and dough mind you not not like the bible right they go up to the beach in oregon where tea and dough had the original revelation Mm -hmm. they went around the country they went to like in what sea world vegas i don't know they gambled in vegas and won like i don't know 10 bucks or something but i'm like vegas really that i don't know i always like sin city um, yeah i'm like (laughs) seems really not on brand but right you're trying to get rid of all your sin let's go to let's go to vegas where it's smut on every corner (laughs) boobs everywhere honestly jesus don't get me wrong i personally love vegas but i'm a sinner at heart right so right yeah i know that you're going to heal absolutely i also like the fact that there are just a shit ton of home movies and everybody looks so happy and so at peace now i don't know if again that that is a factor of we're being taped and we have to look a certain way while we're being filmed or if it was genuine i mean oftentimes throughout this and even they do like an exit interview tape which is (laughs) right problematic but they're all like yes we chose this of our own free will and everything is great and we're all fine and happy but they they really do look happy they do and that's weird yeah they seem very genuinely happy about Mm -hmm. it one of the things that 
I think it's Janja talks about that the members yep. you can see their emotion mimics Doe. So when Doe talks about mm-hmm. tea, he gets emotional, right? Mm-hmm. And when these members talk about tea or the older member, they also get emotional in the same way. Even if they haven't met her, even if they came in after her death, right? they still mimic those emotions. So how much of that is genuine versus not? I don't know. But it looks genuine. They look happy. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, there are several videos. It's not just one, but they just, they look fine. And that's, I think that's Mm -hmm. hard to square away that, you know, while this was a group endeavor and they had all sort of made their decision. And I I think that's hard for us to imagine that everybody was truly okay with this. Yeah. So, well, and I think another thing, if we go back to Jonestown, they look at it as a mass suicide where it it wasn't necessarily. There was a lot of murder because there were armed right. guards forcing people to drink the flavorade and mm-hmm. and inject children who couldn't drink it and all of these things. So it, a lot of it was forced. And so you look yep. at this and you're like, how real is it? You know, there's mm-hmm. that concern. And I get that. Well, I just think that there's a lot of effort to document things. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so why all the effort? So that's the thing where I'm just like, is this real or not? Like it looks real. There's, Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of it, but I think there's still room for skepticism to be like, why did we have to make such a production out of this? Well, and it almost seems like they're still recruiting beyond the grave, right? Because they put this message up on their website and they were trying to get more people to come and they just assumed more people would join them. Yes. So, which is kind of weird. That video was sent to Kelly from her mom. Her mom made an exit interview video Mm -hmm. and they sent it to her, which that's how you find out. Well, actually, she probably found out before that and then it got to her, but that just seems horrible. Yep. Yep. So the date in question is March 22nd of 1997. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting animation. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit before, but... Yeah, so they're kind of painting a portrait for you of the story that the believers are telling themselves about the exit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I interpreted from that. Would you agree? I agree. And it's these believers started in the 70s when the drugs were plentiful. So (laughs) that's what I feel like was interpreted into this graphics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A former member is the one who phones in the suicide. He was Mm -hmm. notified by mail. And I don't have which member he was, his Odie name. I did not get that. Mm-mm. But he goes and there's some video footage of everyone laying around on their beds, like covered in shrouds. Um, this is where you get the imagery of them being all dressed identically and all that kind of stuff. And it is, it's not graphic or gory or anything like that, but it's just, it's just strange to see. It is. Yeah, he got instructions to go to the house and film what he saw. He also, yep. I think he must have called it in after he filmed it, because I don't know if they would allow him before that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. There were 39 bodies found. At first, it was assumed they were all men because mm-hmm. of their haircuts and everything, but it turned out to be 21 women and 18 men. There were no signs of trauma. Mm-mm. All were wearing black slacks, black Nike shoes with $5.75 in their pocket. And the story behind that is what? That's the cost to ride the tail of a comet to heaven. So like Mark right. Twain wrote that. So it says Mark Twain. Yeah. Which I was like, okay. Um, I I thought they were getting on the big ship behind the comet, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Details. 
Right. I think the hardest part for me on this is that there were waves of implementations, right? So there was a first, second, and even a third group. So they were assisting the members that went before them. They Mm -hmm. were cleaning up and like placing those shrouds and things like that. And I think, you know, it's also hard to talk about the way in which they died. So Mm -hmm. they took phenobarbital, which is a barbiturate. And they also mentioned alcohol, you know, that's also possible. Mm -hmm. But then they used plastic bags to actually end in their physical being. I wonder, is it because if you were to just overdose on drugs, the likelihood Mm -hmm. of someone finding you and stopping that process from happening is higher. And so they wanted to make sure it got done. I don't understand why you wouldn't have just done that versus I understand doing that before putting something over your head because then you won't fight it, right? You are passed out. You are unconscious. You're not going to fight the bag on your head, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there was quite a bit of discussion on how to do this. They were very pacifist. Mm-hmm. So you knew it wasn't going to be like by gunshot or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think they were trying to do this efficiently. Possibly cost was a, you know, I don't know. They were found in a mansion, but, you know, that's beside the point. Well, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't, since they were not drug users, they didn't know how to ensure mm-hmm. that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Why not just all sleeping pills? Right. I have no idea. I don't either. Doe was in the second of the three groups, so he wasn't the mm-hmm. first or the last. So he didn't go down with the ship like the captain, right? Like, so he right. was, which I was like, mm, not the best look. This whole thing was bad, but. Yeah. So Larry King, inter- well, he interviewed several people, one of which was Terry, T's daughter. Right. And Terry had discussed that she didn't believe that this is the destination. This is where the group would have ended up if her mom had lived. Yep. That. It was T's passing and Doe just took it in a whole different direction. Yeah. Which you kind of see happen fairly quickly after T dies. But one of the members was the brother of Michelle Nichols, who played in Star Trek. Yep. That's a bit ironic. Uhura. Uhura, yep. Yeah. I don't think it's ironic. I think that that's, I think that he came into the group. I mean, I'm sure we could research this, but I didn't do this beforehand. But with their love of Star Trek, I just... Maybe he came in and that's, they were like, it's a good fit. must be a sign, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. But I think mm-hmm. he was there from the beginning, too. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, some of the ex-members say that Doa always wanted to go out with a splash. And by killing themselves, they ensured that they would be remembered, right? Because they had talked they about being martyred and everyone seeing this yes. happen. And yep. so, yeah, they were remembered. Yep. In the media and otherwise, there was a lot of mockery. There was a lot of misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who knew people that had done this, they didn't want people to believe that these people were just stupid or weak-willed right. or whatever. But of course, this is all over, you know, talk shows and Saturday Night Live. So I think it was an easy target, <laughs> but very tragic. And this is difficult. It is tragic. I think, unfortunately, there are some instances where I mean, we often say, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, oh, right? Yeah. So, yep. I don't know. It, it It is tragic. It is the largest mass suicide on U.S. soil yep. to this day. We do watch Dick Joslin. They don't talk about how or when he got out. Do they? Or did they I They don't. I didn't get that either. Okay. But he did leave. And he, you know, was able to go through this exit counseling and work on learning to think for himself. Mm-hmm. And he actually 
got out of it. He unfortunately did pass in 2000 from complications with AIDS. Yep. Yep. But he had worked with our friend Steve Hassan, right? Mm-hmm. And it showed some of the footage of their sessions. And I was like, I didn't know how I felt about that because that should be private. Although maybe they were doing it for educational purposes. You know what I mean? But you can see that he's mm-hmm. really struggling with, you know, kind of still working through a lot and, you know, talking about never having processed some things and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So a very private moment, very brave to come forward and, and let that be known and seen. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's just tough to watch because it's, it's not an experience I think that a lot of us will have in our lifetimes is, you know, how do I mm-hmm. get out of the hive mind? So, yeah. I think a lot more people need that therapy in this day and age of QAnon than we would like to admit. Um. Yes. But I mean, also, I can imagine what it would be like to know that you're going to be mocked and made fun of if you leave this safe space of people that are, mm-hmm. you know, believe the same as you. And then what options do you have? You know, so I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I hope that if this reaches the ears of somebody who needs that kind of help, that they realize mm-hmm. that you just, just ask, just try to ask for help and, and get it because it is available. But yeah, I mean, cults right. are still out there. They're happening all oh, yeah. around you. They may not be religious. Like we said before, they could be political. They could be, there's all kinds of things. And, um, you know, I doubt cults are like, well, this is a cult. <laughs> like they don't, it's got a bad connotation. <laughs> They're not going to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, like I said, I just saw there's a new documentary that's coming out on Hulu. That's about a brand new cult, and I'm all about it. Yeah. I will learn about it. Yep. So one of the hardest things for me watching this was that several ex-members after the fact killed themselves as well because they wanted to join their fellow classmates and they felt Mm -hmm. left behind, Mm -hmm. even though they had willingly left. Mm -hmm. And one of those was Kelly's dad, Wayne, Mm -hmm. him and another gentleman, Chuck, filmed exit videos, committed suicide to join the others. Unfortunately, Chuck survived. And he goes on and talks, is it Larry King as well? I don't know, some interview. Yes. Yep. And they asked, are you going to try again? He's like, I, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh my God, how hard for your family members to think, okay, they're safe, but they're not. Because even Kelly had discussed when she had found out one of the two had survived and she was excited for a minute thinking maybe it was her dad, but then well, well he would just try again. So how many times can you go through that? Yeah, they also talk about Jimmy Simpson, mm-hmm. and they talk to his sister, who is, I mean, she pops up a few times in this, and she worried initially for her brother that he would commit suicide to join them, and he does. He shoots himself, which is different than some of the others um, that kind mm-hmm. of choose something that's a little bit more similar to what the larger group had done. Yeah. But just... <sighs> I wonder what have I, you know, I try to put myself in the shoes of people that had left because did they, I mean, not everybody is, they don't talk to everybody that left, but did they leave because they're like, this is a sham, like this is never going to happen. And so because of that, then I know that this is untrue. And so, but when it does come to fruition and they question all that, I mean, I I think it would have been interesting to find out a little bit more about that aspect of it. Right. I mean, up to 20 years, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How long do you wait? They've been yeah. telling you it's coming, it's coming. And eventually yeah. you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes. But yeah, you leave. And then two weeks later they do that. Mm-hmm. I would, yeah, mm-hmm. I understand it. Yeah. So it's, it's really something I did not remember 
that they had a reunion for the former members. That's mm-hmm. kind of at the very end of the series. And really, they talk about how, to, how it had been good for most of them. Mm-hmm. Terry is there, and she reads mm-hmm. some of the letters from her mother, T., and which was completely shocking to the members because here again, they've been told you have to cut ties with everybody, but T their spiritual leader, you know, she wasn't holding up her end of things. She was telling her kid to go to college. She was, you know, saying, go out and live your life and all this kind of stuff. And And conform, conform to society. Yeah. If she really believed her message, would she be telling her own daughter to go and do kind of more traditional societal things instead of like bucking off of this and and going with their teachings. And I think those letters were more towards the end. And that's what someone had said that really shows the con. She Mm -hmm. was too far in to get out herself. But at that point she knew it was bullshit probably that she didn't want her daughter to be part of it. But yeah, these people were kind of pissed. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily at Terry. And she understood that, but Terry mm-hmm. was like, Oh, I wanted to get out of there. It was, it was uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Sure. I can't imagine. Yeah. 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 Not following your own teaching. I mean, call leader one-on-one, but of course they didn't think <laughs> that. So, right. well, but then you have someone like Doe who's like all the fuck in. Right? I guess. I guess. I, I, he got a castration. I, I don't <sighs> know how much more in you can be. Yeah. Do you think they got the nudicles like you do for a dog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so shitty. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. As my dogs lay here with no nudicles. Right. Frank talks about learning to have fun finally. Mm-hmm. He says, he, you know, he talks to Sawyer every now and then, but Sawyer is still stuck in the past, still mm-hmm. believes these things, and he worries that he won't be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. Sawyer talks about how he feels like he failed his class. Right. Right. Everyone else graduated and he flunked out. Yes. So I guess I get from the sense of him, like he's not likely to follow in their footsteps, but he doesn't necessarily say that. Mm -hmm. But he seems less adjusted to life outside than Frank does. Frank seems like he's doing okay. Mm -hmm. You know, he talks about Erica, who they were a couple. I don't believe they were married, but, you know, he talks about dreaming of her and... Um, there was a, you know, he said he last dreamed of her in 2015 and how she had been the love of his life. And like, yep. I don't know. It's just so hard to listen. You know, I mean, you lose people, right? But I don't know. This one was hard to to hear him talk about her. But I was, I was really mm-hmm. glad to see that there's life, you know, life for him beyond this. So. Yeah. Right. Yep. So in the end, they say there are two lessons to learn from Heaven's mm-hmm. Gate. One is to not be judgmental because it's easy to sit there and, and say, oh, that you're better than this or you would never join mm-hmm. this or whatever. And the second is to be careful because no one has all the answers. So if someone says that they do, they're probably lying to you. So do a little research. Well, we laugh all the time about, you know, stuff about like <laughs> MLMs or whatever. I mean, like, I think it all sort of comes from the same place. You know, or you like essential oils or you like crystals or, you know, whatever. I mean, like, right. are are any of us really immune to this? It's just about timing and boundaries. I mean, if you're a person who has, you know, this fits really well and you don't, maybe you don't have a lot of attachments that are not that they're easy to break, but, you know, I could imagine if you don't have children and you don't have a spouse or whatever, it might be a little easier for you to end up in something like this. I know I would be a terrible cult member because my mom is such that she would come and drag me out of there. She's just very tenacious. So um, don't target me, cults yeah. of the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
or me. We're two right? separate people, yeah. but still the same. I think that's one of the reasons why it's younger people mm-hmm. are more inclined to get involved yes. in things like this because they're exploring, they're learning about the world, they're mm-hmm. learning about themselves. They don't have those attachments yet. And it's just easier to go off and, and do something crazy right. and think, well, this is just a period of my life or, oh, this makes me feel really good or mm-hmm. connected. And, and yeah, they're looking for purpose. Yeah. They're not jaded and horrible mm-hmm. like us in our forties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with searching for, for your meeting and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. anytime it's like, do I have to leave behind everything in my life? Like that's, I think when it really is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any relationship, whether it's a cult or a personal relationship when they're trying to separate you from everything Mm -hmm. you know that's never going to end well right there's a reason why they're doing it be aware and sometimes it's very subtle too like they just take up all your time so you don't have time for anybody else but I don't like so-and-so or whatever yeah 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 try to keep an open mind and remember to always talk to your friends Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they'll keep you ass in check so (laughs) that's right you do need somebody in your life to be like (laughs) That's the dumbest idea you've ever had. I love you, but let's just put this one in the no pile, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go have some drinks and feel better. That's right. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one was a is a good watch. It kind of takes me back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember the news coverage and things like that in '97. Yep. Yeah. I was in college, so because I'm old. All right, everyone, go watch it. And then, what are we doing next week? All right, so next week we're going to take a little departure from a little bit of gloom and doom here, and we're going to do the speed cubers. <laughs> this is about people who do competitive Rubik's Cube solving, I suspect. I have not seen it. <laughs> not throwing at people? What else do you I mean, Rubik's Cube? <laughs> look, I've tried a Rubik's Cube before, and it gets very frustrating, so I assume that maybe one somebody has taken one to the eye. I'm just saying. Absolutely. There are safety glasses involved, Yeah. <laughs> It's on Netflix. It's about 40 minutes. So a super short one. And yeah, I'm excited. It's gotten good reviews. So it should be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a short episode from us versus <laughs> this super long episode we just did. So sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> we will ask you guys to rate, review and subscribe. Um, you can find us on Instagram on Twitter at go doc yourself. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today. It's been real. It's been fun. And until next week. Laters. Bye. Bye. It's nice to make sure when we meet again on